We thought it was important to re-release this episode about white guilt. And black disparity. And let me tell you something, folks. It's real. All of it. Uh, <laughs> yep. And I still have white guilt. I have white guilt re-listening to this episode. But it was such an important episode and such an honest conversation. And, you know, we are having these conversations that so many people are afraid of having. And at least we're trying, right, Gloria? We're trying to make things better. And some of the things we touch upon without going too deep, because you got to listen, is white guilt. You say you feel it. What are you doing about it? What does it mean? Mm -hmm. Black disparity. Are you living in that? Are you trying to come up out of that? Are you trying to be a part of the solution, whether you're white or black? And and we go there. So certainly things that, um, Carrie, like you said, you didn't even know about me, right? Oh, yeah. You revealed... One story in particular in this episode that I hadn't even heard about until you told it in this episode. And since that, so many people have reached out to both of us saying, like, they had no idea that this happened. And they kind of just got, you know, shoved under the rug for lots of reasons. So you got to listen to find out. But, um, wow, this was just, like, an incredible, incredible episode to to have been part of. Absolutely. And even more of a reason to re-release it because Mm -hmm. the more people hear it, the more it makes people say, oh, whoa, back then, was I part of the solution or the problem? What about today? Am I part of the solution or the problem? It really gets Mm -hmm. us all thinking about where do we stand in terms of race in America? Yeah. And let's keep the conversation going. You can go to the Facebook page or go to Instagram or go to Apple Podcasts and leave us comments. And we'd love to hear what you guys think. Yeah. And especially Apple. We love the comments. You know why? Because when you write a comment, somebody else looks at it and says, oh, let me see what that podcast is, is about. And it drives folks to it. So we appreciate it. And remember, we're doing important work. It's not even about having fun. It's about, listen, we are here in this brave space. And I got to tell you, as I've been telling you, it's not easy, but we're doing it. Welcome to Hard Candy and Fruit Snacks. I'm Gloria Harrison, a TV producer living in New York. And I'm Carrie Clifford, an actor and writer living in Los Angeles. We first met in elementary school outside Boston. When I was part of a program that bused kids from the inner city to school in the suburbs. We're going to talk about privilege and disadvantage. And about what it's like to move from one world to another without really feeling at home in either. In this podcast, we're having conversations about race. And the awkwardness that comes with learning about people from another culture. Carrie, one of my family members told me to ask you, they, they said, Gloria, is your friend feeling white guilt? <laughs> and, and, and I said, well, I'm not going to ask her that. Like, just ask her. You know, maybe what she's going through. And I said, but uh, I'm not sure. So I guess here we are. Like, <laughs> Carrie, are you experiencing white guilt? Yes. I, I really, I think that, and it's so funny that people asked you that, but I do. I think that it's a real thing. I think with all this Black Lives Matter, you know, part of me just feels helpless. I'm like, I don't know how to change this. I don't know what I could be doing, should be doing. And because of that, I think I take a little bit of like, there's guilt. Like, you know, I know that not all black people are the same. Not all white people are the same. You know, I feel guilt about, you know, there's a lot of talk about white women, you know, the Karen kind of thing. Like, I don't think that I'm like that at all, but like people might think so, you know, and I do feel like, like, I, I, I want to apologize, but I have nothing to apologize for, but it's like, 
you know, I don't think my ancestors, I know they didn't like own plantations or have slaves, stuff like that. But, you know, I don't, I'm sure my grandfather, I'm sure he was racist. It was also just like generational, you know, like I'm not, I'm not excusing it, but I just, I I remember actually my grandfather um, towards the end of his life had like nurses come in. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember my mom having to get a new nurse because the nurse was black. You know, so that kind of stuff, you know, that it's like, that's not, and I didn't live with him, um, but I am aware of that. And I'm aware of people that I am related to or people that I associate with having some of those feelings. But even, even not, like, even when I just see about the shootings, I just like, I just feel like the anger from so many Black Americans and it makes me just want to apologize. Like, even though but there's you know nothing. What? Yeah, I'm sorry. No. I, I want to tell you that I can appreciate that. You know how many people probably feel the way you do and are afraid to verbalize it, are afraid to say, you know what, I'll stand by you. I'll be an ally. They're so worried about uh, the political side of it. Right. Like what it's going to do for their pocket instead of what is happening to the United States of America. It is actually scary. Mm -hmm. And when you said the Karens of the world, I want to go there for a second. Right. Like when I, you know, when you saw the the woman in the news in Central Park. Yeah. And you saw that she called the police. I saw that. The world saw that. Right. I got to be honest with you. I was enraged. I'm like, for one moment... This woman believed that as a white woman, anything she could say had more value than that black man. Right. Who was, as I understand it, a, a bird watcher. Right. Yeah. He was a you know, bird watcher. <laughs> you know, and, and, but, but look at what's going on in America now. Black men unarmed are being killed. Yeah. And when I was watching it, my blood was boiling. I said, so you know what? You could have had that man potentially killed in Central Park because you were too excited. Right. But somewhere in your life, somebody told you that you were better, that your life had more value. And so when I say, when you say the Karens, there's a lot of people out there that still, honestly, Carrie, they feel the way she does and right. they still carry their lives like that. And they don't see any reason to change. Yeah. So I can respect someone saying, Hey, I feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Because you're being um, strong enough and brave enough to talk about it. And I and, and listen, I'm glad that we could have this this exchange. Right. Because I, you know, I said to some of my family members, she ain't got no white guilt. I mean, we've known each other for leave her alone. <laughs> They're like, nah, nah. Sounds like y'all y'all going through something or she going through something. <laughs> and I said, I said, you know, maybe she is, but I'm willing to if, if I could if someone's listening right now and you hear what you are saying, Carrie, they hear what you're saying and they hear what we're saying. We're saying, listen, we're coming from two different perspectives. Right. And what we're doing is hard. Right. You got to put in the work if you want to make change. Right. You really do. And that comes with a friendship, relationship, marriage, racial tension. Right. Racial disparity. It ain't going to get better if we don't deal with it. Right. Totally. But and I do like, of course, I don't represent all white people, but I just have found myself feeling like, like it is this guilt. It's like, I cannot believe this stuff is happening. And people that, 
you know, have similar backgrounds to me, look like me, are part of the problem, you know, or are the problem, you know? And and I did like <laughs> even tonight, I was on a walk with my son and I I had weights. I was like, he was scootering in front of me and I was like, you know, holding weights while I was walking. And there was a black man and his dog like kind of in front of us and uh, and he like pulled over to the side, you know, to let us pass or whatever. And, you know, we're masked, right? So you can't tell yes. people's. So the idea of smiling, which I'm like a smiler, just, right. you know, <laughs> he can't tell that I'm smiling. Right. And so and yeah. then I immediately think like, oh, well, he thinks that I'm like out to get him and I'm going <laughs> to, you know, whatever. And so I was just like, hey, how are you? And And he was like the nicest person in the world. And he was just like, oh, are you working out? And I'm like, well, you know, trying. And he's like, oh, I was at the park this morning working out. I'm like, look at you twice a day. You know, we just had like a nice interchange or whatever. But I did. It was that thing of like, I don't know if that's white guilt, but I was just like, I want him to know that like, I'm not a Karen, you know, and right, that like, right. <laughs> I'm fine, you know, and, and there is something added, I think, because we are all masked. So you just can't read personas, you know, and, right. you know, we had a lovely conversation. Exactly. And, you know, there are people, Carrie, I think what hurts me the most is that they know that they have this white privilege and that they have the ability to turn on to a Karen in a second yeah. and they don't have a problem using it. And that is that's sad. So sad. Because there's so much going on in this world for, you know, that's serious. We're dealing with serious racial tension and for someone to use that and abuse that is is just disgusting oh yeah do you have the next door app is your neighbor no oh yes i do actually i do wait wait can i make you laugh about that yeah oh my gosh i don't know what you're about to say but hold (laughs) please i'm on next door app honey and i'm about to like within a couple weeks i'm going to like explode on the the people that are on there Mm -hmm. they don't know who i am Mm -hmm. i don't know who they are One woman says, you know, I go to the cleaners, you know, and I'm just so sick of the cheap woman who owns the cleaners. Oh, God. And I'm like, okay, what is she talking about? She's typing this. I'm trying to remember what she said to me, uh, what she said to the other person. And I'm on the group thing. It's so offensive. Yeah. She was like, um, it was in reference to her being Asian and in reference to her being cheap. Oh, God. And how they, oh, she messed up, like, she, she did some um, tailoring for her, and she messed it up. And she goes, she won't even admit it. They're always so cheap. Oh, God. You know what I mean? They right. won't take any uh, ownership. And she's arguing with me. I just want her to fix it. And I, I don't know. I can't, I can't remember the, the derogatory name, but she doesn't know where she's from. But she makes a reference, a negative reference to her being Asian. So right. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to say something. Because I'm also uh, a minority. Right. And I take it personal. I'm like, so I'm sitting on this next door and the stuff they say, they're like, oh, uh, we saw someone driving down the neighborhood. They'll say stuff like a black man was in the car. I'm like, hello, it's probably my husband. Right. 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 (laughs) You know what I mean? What, you know, a black man. Yes, he owns a home. Yeah. He lives in Westchester. Yeah. He has a black. We have a black son. Right. (laughs) And yes, he's he's driving down the street and folks, it's okay. Right. No, but, that's right. What I'm on gonna, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say is that I feel like in this neighborhood, it's always like 
you know, there was a suspicious black man, yes. whatever. And it's like, and the reason why I'm thinking that is because I did see a black man tonight and he was not suspicious, but like mm-hmm. someone else could have had that same encounter that I had and just judged him as being suspicious and whatever. And he was like the nicest person I talked to all day. So, but it's so I, I I have it. I have the app, but like I can't even go on it because it's just so infuriating. And yes, there are homeless people and there are sketchy people. And I live in the city, so we we do have that. But I do think sometimes it's like the man I saw tonight. It's just like an innocent person who happens to look different from you. And these people on next door assume that they're up to no good and like want yes. them arrested or whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. so can you imagine seriously, like? That's painful to me because I look like those people. Right. I look like the bird watcher. I look like George Floyd. I look like Breonna Taylor. And honestly, when I see the stuff, and that's why I'm telling you, like, this is doing as much good as it is to you, for you, as it is for me. Because I I tell you, I cry. Like, every time I see it, and that's why I literally had to stop watching the news. Yeah. And I keep saying that because I'm like— Okay, but that could be my son mm-hmm. on the train. That could be my son in Manhattan. And I say to him, listen, if you get pulled over, ask for permission to go into your glove compartment. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. And it's like we have these kind of conversations, Gary, at our, at our dinner table right. from when he was little. From when he was five years old, telling him that he is unique, that he is different, to stand tall, to be proud, to understand that he will be judged based on the color of his skin. Now, isn't that sad? Yeah. Five, six, seven years old that we're having a discussion about race because it's real. And I've been doing it. He's 21 now. He understands and and I'll tell you uh, one thing about since we're talking about this Westchester, you know, growing up, you know, my mom used to say to me, like, we would go to the malls, honestly, hang out. She would say to me, unless you're buying something, you're not going to the mall. You're not hanging out. And I'd be like, my, while well, my friends do it, she's like, listen, you do that. And they're going to call the cops on you. You're Ugh. going to get arrested. I'm like, I don't understand. So guess what? I'm in Westchester. You think my kids hang out at the mall? No, ma'am. Right. And it's sad because other kids can do it. Right. But I was made to understand. And sometimes I thought my parents were um, like overreacting. But I look back and they were just trying to protect me. Totally. And and I do the same thing for my kids now. And, and I, it's sad because they're looking at me like, why is she talking about race? Like, why are we why do you keep bringing all this up? I'm like, because you're going to go out that door and I can't protect you. Right. I can't say, hey, I know he's black and you think all black people's lives don't matter, but I carried him for nine months, just like another woman who doesn't look like me, whether she's white, Hispanic, Asian. We're all human beings. Right. And I just want people to know that that boy... Uh, the Trayvon Martin, when he got shot, he uh, was wearing his hood. Yeah. I cried because yeah. my son could have been him. Right. And see that there's white guilt for me in that, too, because you know what? I don't have to have those conversations with my white son. Right. And and it's and, and, and here's the thing. It's not your fault. 
but it's real. And, and you know, I get in, <clears throat> I'll be honest with you, some of my other white friends, I've gotten into arguments with them because I say to them, listen, my conversation at my dinner table must be different from yours. And they're like, why does race matter? Why are you guys always? I said, we don't always talk about it. Right. But it's important. And you don't need to talk about it. You don't have to worry about it. So your conversation will never be the same. Right. It'll never be the same. And like you said, you don't you don't have to go through that. And that's not your fault. But I appreciate you understanding and having the withal to say, you know what? But I'm interested in hearing. How can I? be a part of making something better and not be a part. And even tonight, seeing the guy walking. Right. You know, sometimes, seriously, I've seen white women cross the street. Right, right. You know, grab their purse, pull a Karen, call the cops. Black man's in my neighborhood. Honey, y'all got money. We got money, too. Right. You work, we work. Right. Even though you had a head start. Right. You're like, don't do that, Gloria. Right? That's not nice. And I said, <laughs> no. What are you talking about? It's true. It's true. It's true. But I don't. And listen, I always say, look, I'm not trying to. You know, these are not excuses. These are facts. You know, right. how the kids say hashtag facts. Right. Like, listen, let's just deal with what it is, and if we can begin to deal with it, and and that's why we see, like, when you say you have white guilt, imagine that there are uh, black people. There are people in my family that are. As much as somebody might have guilt, they are so angry. Right. They are so angry and they feel like white people should feel guilty. Mm-hmm. They feel like white people should uh, repay them for what has happened to their ancestors. Because you know what they're saying now, psychologically, even if you don't talk about it now, generation after generation, being enslaved and being beaten and being passed down. Like you said, your grandfather right. didn't want to have the woman in the nursing home uh, to help him because she was black. Right. Uh, I'm sure my grandfather, my father, um didn't want us to be around white people because they feared that they would be hurt. Even though they were eventually freed, they never felt free. They right. never felt like they were treated uh, as human beings, that they were treated less than. So that that comes from just as much as someone has guilt. There are some people that are so angry and there has to come a moment where we start to say, you know what? It's not your fault. What has happened to black people, to my people. Right. Right. And I am angry. I'm angry at America. I'm angry at the world, but I hear you and I'm not angry at you. And if we could begin to work together, I open my arms because that is what makes us better human beings. Right. Right. Getting to know each other and, and, and understanding that somebody's different and and I'll be honest, there are black people. And, you know, I remember one time uh, years ago when I lived in Chicago, my husband took me to a Bulls game and he was like, I got to just run up here and grab the tickets. He goes and gets the tickets. I'm sitting in front. It's a real like kind of, you know, shady area. <laughs> and a black guy walks by. I use my elbow to lock the door. He was like, come on, sister. Don't <laughs> nobody watch you. <laughs> and I was like, I just did what white people do. <laughs> Right, like, but there's I'm better than that. Yeah, but those sketchy so people, you might have gotten a feeling, not because he was of his race, but you might, because they're sketchy people of all they races. Were, they were sketchy, but I'm going to be honest, they were black and I know better. Right. And I'm like, you know what, Gloria? And then my, you know what was so sad? I didn't want him to know that I locked it. I used my elbow and it said, click. Right. I said, come on, sister. <laughs> <laughs> I said, and I said to my husband, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> He was like, Gloria, don't worry about it. I said, no, I'm better. I know better than that. 
You know what I mean? And and but like you said, and and you're you're so nice. You're giving me the benefit. But I was that was early in my twenties. I've certainly grown, and and I know whether you're white, black, Hispanic, Asian, that everybody should be given the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, but you sometimes just get a you know. There was a white guy who came to our door the other day, and he was like, I don't know if you ever get these types of people, but he was like an exterminator, I think, and he was like. Mm-hmm. You know, I just came from Missy and Bob's house. I'm like, I don't know who Missy and Bob are. Right. Like, and, and I don't even know if there are Missy and Bob on the street. He's just saying that, you know. And yeah, what does that have to do with you? Yeah, and because to like, I don't know what he was. So long story short, I did not let him into the house. But like, you know, you get a vibe. No, no matter, and that that was like. If you looked at that guy's picture, he's probably like some Mormon white guy. Like he looked, he could not have looked more innocent, but still he, there, I felt a sketchiness. I'm not, you know, having him right. exterminate. So, and, and what you're saying is true. Like people, they, they look like they're normal and they get away with literally murder. Yeah. Like honestly, there, there was a, a guy who murdered a couple people here in Connecticut uh, this past summer, you know what they said? You know, he's a good guy. He, he's not the guy we know. I'm like, what the hell you mean? He just killed two people. Right. But you want to bring him in safely. But you're killing black men unarmed for nothing. Right. And you know what the young people say? Miss me with that. Get out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how it feels. It's like you you want to bring him in safely. You know, he was not in his right state of mind. Uh, yeah. You know? And and you have people that I don't know, maybe they they took something. Maybe they didn't. Maybe there was a misunderstanding. They got pulled over for a traffic violation. And next they're dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. I mean, that's the white guilt, right? It's like, it is so unfair. The system is so broken. It doesn't make any sense that, you know, some white person from Connecticut is treated differently than a black. You know, it's like. What is happening? How, why? It makes no sense. And I, d- I don't know, honestly, and this is what's hard. In my lifetime, I'm wondering, can we fix this? But I'm looking at the NBA players the last couple of days. Yeah. I'm looking at the baseball players. I'm clapping my hands. I said, people are tired. Yeah. They're tired. And you know what it is? These black men that are in power, that are making money, making mu- much more money than some of their uh, counter white uh, parts, right. uh, friends or people they grew up with. And they're realizing that, listen, this, these men that are getting shot and killed are just like you. The only thing different is that you got a higher paycheck, that you got a break in life. Like right. me, I got a break in life. Right. But I cannot. I always say, you know what? How can I be so proud and stand tall and be okay with all these people dying? It's not okay. How can a white person sit there and be okay? Right. You know what I mean? We can't be. Right. And like, and and I think on video, it's like even even before this year and years years prior to that, there were things on video, but somehow it 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 wasn't the attention wasn't uh, the, the way it is now. Well, and there just wasn't as many, you know, of course, like the Rodney King, but there wasn't like, and you're right, they were out there, but they just didn't get the focus or they didn't get the attention because, and also like, I think one time you were saying to me that like, you, you probably watched more of those videotapes than I did, right? Like I I would have to seek them out and 
Yeah. No, you know why? Yeah, sorry. And I watch them because when we're in church, they talk about it. Mm-hmm. When we're, you know, at home, when we're, you know, in, in the privacy of our home, we're like, man, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, like Eric Gardner, like you, he can't breathe. And you're going to say because he was what? Selling Lucy's cigarettes? Right. He had to die because of that? Right. But listen, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to call it out for a second. Bobby and Dan and Tom, they're not getting, they're not getting shot. They're not getting killed. Look right. at the guy on the news the other day. Carrie, he is 17 years old, white male, holding a gun. And you let him walk by. Come on. It's like he could have killed 30 more people. Yeah. But had that been my son carrying that gun? Right. Well, forget it. He doesn't even need to have a gun. Right. He could just look at the cop the wrong way. He's going to die. Right. And I don't know if I told you, I, I, there have been times when I've been pulled over and I literally put myself in the mind of a black male of a black female, because I am, and remind myself, listen, I am still looked at as black, no much, no matter how much education I have, no much, uh, it doesn't matter where I work, it doesn't matter who I know, you know, and I've had people say to me, why didn't you tell them you work for this company when you got pulled over? I said, listen, that works for you. It right. doesn't work for me. I'm still black. And right. you know, I say to the officer, uh, excuse me, uh, officer, um, do I have permission to, um, open my glove ma'am just open your glove compartment like they get aggravated it's like no this is serious right like i don't want you to think that i'm taking you for granted i am going to show you so much respect because i'm afraid that one day you're going to take my life one day you're going to take my daughter's life my son's life so i take it seriously it is like i am terrified when i get pulled over and, and I he, think, you know what happened? Some of the cops that have been white, I think they're offended because not all of them are bad cops. Right. But I don't know that. Right. I'm assuming that you think that I am, um, that my life doesn't matter. When you pull me over, I'm already assuming that you feel like my life has no value, that you can shoot me. You're still going to work. You're still going to be on like you might get leave, but you're still going to get paid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're still like, I don't have any value. So imagine that. That's terrifying to me. And did you, have you felt like you've always felt this way about cops? Like you kind of grew up thinking that this could happen? Yes. And I'll tell you, because my father's from South Carolina and he tells me stories uh, growing up. He's told me stories about how, you know, they were beaten, how his father was beaten by cops, mm. by people that lived in the South just because there wasn't even a reason. So as a little girl, I heard these stories and I was deathly afraid for my father, for my brother, for my uncle, for my male cousins. I say, and I, I always say, I feel like the hardest human being it is to be in this world, to be in America, is a black man. Yeah. Somehow, somebody gave white America uh, the notion, the idea that their lives don't matter. And as a mother, that is heartbreaking. Yeah. And I, I, I had an incident when we were in uh, high school at Wayland. I played for the basketball team, mm-hmm. captain of the basketball team, mm-hmm. proudly played, wore my uniform. I remember coming from a game, me and two of the other players um, I actually, I think there was only two black players. So it was myself and another girl and then someone else who played a different sport. Um, I was fortunate enough that my dad helped me. I had a little Toyota Corolla. So I started driving uh, my senior year, um, end of my junior year, senior year. At any rate, after the game, um, we're driving back to Dorchester. We're leaving Wayland. I get pulled over. 
Mm. And um, I have a, my uniform on. And the cop says to me, uh, what brings you in this neighborhood? And I said, excuse uh. me? He goes, uh, do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, no. He goes, um, I think he said I took a, the wrong, t- uh, t- I didn't stop at the stop sign. I, I don't know. I did something initially. Right. And I, I just was looking at him. We were looking. He goes, uh, what do you guys do in this part of town? Uh. And I, my, I just, I'll be honest with you, my, everything my father has told me, everything my mother, everything they've gone through, I was so hurt and Ugh. angry and i'm like it doesn't matter what we're doing in this neighborhood Meanwhile, goes, but you have an outfit you have your like basketball yes, uniform but i don't even know i have my seatbelt on so i don't know if he saw that Ugh. but but me coming from the town that i play for me going from a a baby literally uh seven eight years old all the way up to 17 18 right me trying to help my t- this town win a game right me being the captain me proving that i want to be a part of this community and he asked me what am i doing here mm. and honestly carrie i think i told them none of your damn business Ooh, good for you. I, no 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 that's where i was wrong oh <laughs> <laughs> because i learned a tough lesson it only escalated from there oh. Because I was so angry. I think he asked me to get out of the car. I wouldn't get out the car. I rolled the window up. He called wow. for backup. I was wow. hysterical. They had cops all around my car. Me and the girls were crying. Oh, my God. And I don't know. I I vaguely remember. I might be making this part up. I know it was the, the captain, the sergeant. They called for backup, and they were all around the car. And I was afraid, and I was crying. I said, they're going to shoot me. Oh, my they're God. They're going to shoot me. And he said, get out the car. And I was like, I'm not going to get out of the car. I said, I'm afraid you're going to. He said, we're not. I said, why do I have to get out the car? Why do I have to get out? And I I, listened to me to this day. I never got out the car. So they had two cars from the front, one from the back. And the girl next to me, she was like, Gloria, you would think we robbed a bank. You would thought someone's, you know, we we, we stole something. She's like, we're coming from a basketball game. And I cried and I cried. And he was like, you know, he gave me like three different tickets, disrespecting authority, running a stop sign. I mean, I had the book thrown at me. Wow. I had the book thrown at me. And I remember this vaguely. They gave me my tickets. I wouldn't get out. The captain, the sergeant, he was like, let's just let her go. Uh, We'll see you in court. And I remember when they pulled and they, they moved their cars, I rolled my window down and I threw the ticket at him. And I said, F you, you white <laughs> mistake, <laughs> mistake. So I call my parents and, you know, they're very upset with me because they said, what did we tell you? Right. What did we tell you? We said to be respectful. We said to answer the questions. We said to put your hand on the steering wheel. And I said, yes, but I felt like I was being violated. So I look at these black men and I get it, Carrie. Yeah. I understand how they feel. It's like I went from a, a traffic violation to having cops all around me. And mm. I'm pretty sure, and I, I wish I could find my, my my classmate. I think one of them pulled out a gun. And oh, I was like, God. you're going to shoot me. And I was devastated. Oh. So oh. weeks later, I ended up going to court. My my dad came with me, and I wore a nice little dress. Oh, God. <laughs> I had my hair nice and pressed and curled. And he was like, you are the woman, young lady, who was talking in such a disrespectful way to the police? 
And my dad, with his southern accent, he said, uh, uh, your, uh, your Honor, like my, 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 my daughter got a little upset. He goes, no, I'm speaking to your daughter. He said, am I hearing this right? And I said, I just came from a basketball game. I was upset. I felt like they treated me like I didn't want it. He said, I don't believe you, you, as you stand before me, had this incident between these cops. He right. goes, I don't believe it. And I literally, I, in the courtroom, I started crying. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw this case out. Wow. Yes. And, and he, was I he think white he or black? Our, he was white. It was because the courthouse, it was in Wayland. Okay. So it happened in the town. So wherever they have their little, their, their court. It, but but, but I, I bring up the story to say that it could have gone so many ways. Right. Like if I, I think back, had I got out the car, what, would, I, would I have been shot? Right. Would I have ran because I feared? And I think about all the young black men, all the young black women who died senselessly because a cop on the other end abused his power. Mm-hmm. because he felt like he need to approach. And I'm like, we're 17 years old. Right. We're female. Right. What are we doing? Right. And I'm telling you, I had a traffic by, I don't know, I was 17. Maybe I had a, tra- whatever it was, he, he, I didn't look familiar to the area. And point blank, I was black. Right. And the other girl was black. And the other girl was black. So right. we were black and a white to- Toyota Corolla, not a BMW. Right. Not a Mercedes. Right. But still ask, why are we in the town? Ugh. And see, yeah. and that's like the white guilt too, because that would have never happened to me. I, I, we were scared of the cops too, but it was more like, you know, making sure that we didn't speed or, or like, I remember like making out with my boyfriend and <laughs> like, and, and like cops came because we were like in a parking lot or something. Right. But like, I never feared for my life. I feared because I didn't want to get a ticket and I didn't want my parents to find out like that kind of thing. But the idea of thinking that someone would pull a gun on me or it's real. It totally. And I, of course I, I, I know that it's real, but it's so fascinating that like you have to fear a whole other list of things that I don't even entertain. Let me ask you that. What do you think if if we would have switched places? Like, mm-hmm. do you think you could handle what it is to be a black woman in America? What it is to be a black man to raise a black child? Like, it is a task within itself. Not even just to be a mom, to be a good mom, to be effective, to be spiritual, to be um, everything you want. You, we, we want our next generation to be so much better. But race is a big part of our lives. Like if you, if if you had to switch places, like honestly, when you hear all of this that I'm saying to you, what does the thought even feel like? You've been listening to Heart Candy and Fruit Snacks with my mom, Gloria, and my mom, Carrie. This episode was produced by Carrie Clifford, Gloria Harrison, Katie Levine, and an ACL joint production. Tune in next time to hear more from our moms. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.